Hi everyone, it's Camille and Louise, your hosts of the Feminist Book Chat Paris, a podcast that explores the many faces of an intersectional feminism through literature. So, like each month, Lou and I gather together and record a little episode where we give our book recommendations. So basically, since we read quite a lot, each of us selected two books that we just loved or that we thought was interesting to share. So I'll just start with the first book I selected. It's uh, French. It's been published in May 2019, so it's quite recent. And it's one of the most moving stories I've been reading for the last year. So it's called Journal d'un Transboy, On n'a que deux vies. So in English, We Only Have Two Lives, A Transboy's Diary. It's written by Adèle Tincelin who is a trans boy, as you could guess. Um, so basi basically, he is 41 years old, and he has a kid when he decides to transition, um, date women, open himself to so many new things, and it's, it's basically keeping track of every trans transformation, uh, every little thing that changes all throughout its transition. Um, it's very raw. It's it from deep down his heart, like you can really you can really feel all the emotion. And there's so many quotes that I would like to read to you guys, uh, just because every line is so is so intense. Um, But basically, he really explains that from his point of view, there's no before, no after. It's not about being a boy or being a girl, about wearing uh, a skirt or wearing a pant. Um, and he says this really beautiful thing. Uh, I'll just say it in French because it makes more sense. Um, at some point, he just says, Je n'ai jamais été belle, c'est que j'attendais d'être beau. And I think he really says it all. Uh, it's about finding yourself uh, and exploring your beauty, exploring your body uh, differently. Um, and it's quite intense also because he's 41 when he decides and realizes that he needs to, to change that and to become a man. And when I say it's a journal, it's also... Um, So basically, for you to understand, it's basically he writes. It's he starts writing on a journal when he starts his transition. So it's all about the thinking, um, the the mental, the physical, the social uh, transformation all around him, um, the impact on his family, his friends, his attitude, his relationship with the body, but also his sexuality. Um, he meets a lot of people, and the people surrounding him are also part of the story. It's it's short, it's, con it's concise, it's very, very much intense. And I've been offering this book to several people since I read it. So I'll just recommend you guys to um, get your end on it. It's, it's brilliant. So the first book that I'm going to talk about is Yay. called Dominicana by uh, Angie Cruz. So Angie Cruz is a Latinx author. Dominicano is actually her third novel. She's written two others called Solidad and Let It Rain Coffee. 
Um, she's also been published in the New York Times. Uh, she founded this really cool literary and arts journal called Asterix. Um, and she's also an associate professor of English at the University of Pittsburgh. So <clears throat> the title Dominicana actually has a double meaning. The first sense is that it refers to our narrator, Anna, who we follow, and also this uh, little hollow ceramic doll that actually um, becomes her confidant. It, like She talks to it and it kind of keeps all of her secrets. Um, Top line message, Dominicana is a story that demonstrates the that transactional element of marriage. So um, there's the precariousness of navigating both your identity as a woman and your citizenship when you are uh, when it's a precarious situation. So, for example, Anna moving from Dominicana to New York. Okay. Um, it's actually, the, the story is actually inspired by Angie Cruz's mother, who lived something quite similar. So this kind of feels like a love letter to first generation Americans. Um, I think it's a great example of writing your story. And this is why we need those kind of diverse stories. Um, so just really quickly, the, we open in the Dominican countryside and we see a proposal take place, and it's 28-year-old Juan who is proposing to 11-year-old Anna, so it's incredibly young. Okay. Um, the, Anna's parents put off this engagement for another couple of years, so uh, the grand old age of 15, which you can't imagine, um, there's kind of this marriage contract laid out. So Anna's incredibly passive, she has no say, everything is kind of arranged by the adults. Um, so end of the year 1964, Anna starts this new life with her new husband, leaving her home, her family and flying to New York City. Um, Juan has already established himself to some extent in New York City in the sense that he has friends, he has an apartment, he has jobs. So it's even more kind of isolating for Anna but she's very aware that this marriage is kind of bigger than her and that essentially by marrying this man, she is ensuring a ticket and a better, a better life in America, not just for mm -hmm. her, but also her family. Um, quickly transpires that Juan is a functioning alcoholic and he quickly becomes abusive with Anna. Um, I thought the author handled the subject of domestic violence um, in, a, in a really sensitive way. Um, I think like it's not sensationalized at all. I think it acts as, um, it, it shows really well that kind of burden of responsibility that Anna carries on her shoulders, um, what she has to put up with, how her expectations for her life are so low and how basically she, she kind of, you know, is worn down throughout the novel. Yeah. Um, but it's not all like, a, you know, it's not all a buzzkill. Um, the author herself has said that Dominicana started a really important conversation for older generations um, about domestic abuse and, you know, just naming it and acknowledging that it happened. Um, so that's obviously something really powerful. And, you know, these hard moments for Anna are also counterbalanced with her moments of freedom when Juan leaves. And for example, there's a, there's a wonderful day where she goes 
goes and everything is so bright. She goes to Coney Island, she sees the beach, she sees the sea. Um, and these these moments of joy for Anna are just all that more kind of, well, joyful really um, because of her day-to-day life. Um, just really quickly to finish up, something that I found quite enriching from reading the book is the political backdrop. So as I mentioned, this takes place at the end of, well, beginning of 1965. Um, So there is political tension brewing back home in the Dominican Republic. Um, In New York, uh, Anna actually witnesses uh, the execution of Malcolm X. Um, So the neighbourhood that they live in is Washington Heights. These are facts that actually happened. Um, And yeah, I think just um, that was really um, interesting for me uh, to go and explore that and to know more about uh, what happened in the Dominican Republic, for example. Um, and, you know, I would say there's a happy ending. I don't want to spoil it, but I no, think don't. the most important <laughs> journey is Anna, you know, just kind of being this naive. Well, anybody at 15 is, you know, is, is naive to some extent. Being naive and her journey from being a, t- a young teenager to a woman and understanding that love doesn't have to be a trade-off. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, a really beautiful novel, um, and I thought Angie Cruz did a really amazing job. There's some great interviews out there with her where she talks about the importance of Latinx stories, the community, why she writes. I can link to those in the show notes. But yeah, really great, great really great novel. Would recommend. Yeah, it sounds powerful. Plus, yeah. I feel like it's yeah. always interesting when you can read fiction that actually is like strongly linked to political yeah. uh, real facts exactly it kind I of makes me like think it's... of pachinko a little bit you know yeah um, that we that we discussed in book club yeah it was a very well, even enriching... memory police oh yes yeah in more recent ways. absolutely yeah so what's Great. your second book friend thanks friend uh so my second book is a book from elizabeth lebovici yes. what aids made me Um, So Elisabeth Lubovici is a French author. This book has been published in uh, Mm -hmm. 2017. So she is a massive influence into um, French lesbian activism. She's a journalist. She's an art and history critique. Uh, she's wrote for like newspapers like Liberation. And in this... uh, amazing book she analyzes the AIDS question through um, the prism of art mm-hmm. and its link with activism oh. so basically she tells she's kind of like the title is what's what AIDS did to me but it's mostly just all about giving a like it recalls out AIDS uh, as marked like an entire generation of artists and activists at that time Mm -hmm. so it's like going into the 80s and 90s like basically the worst time uh for artists to live um at the moment because AIDS Mm -hmm. was affecting everyone and no treatment no government answer no politics Mm -hmm. uh was actually taking in consideration the victims yeah and still a lot Um, of fear i imagine as well it's a lot of fear it's Mm. a lot of activism also Mm. and just like struggling to be recognized as uh humans that have a right to live so it's 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 wonderful it's it's really political in some in some ways because so it's her story it's how she met all these artists and um 
how she experienced AIDS in Paris, in France, but also in the United States. So she meets with uh, artists like Nan Golding or Douglas mm. Crimp or Alain Buffard, uh, but also Zoe Leonard, Philippe Thomas, uh, a lot of artists that were really like massive influence into the art scene and also the activism at that at that point. Right. Um, she talks about the key exhibitions uh, like the Winter of Love. Um, she she really organizes the the book in such a way where you feel like you just deep dive into this time in the eighties, in the nineties, and in all the the fights and the discussions with the politicals. Um, at that moment, mm. um, and the edition of the book is, has been done by uh, J.R.P. Rangier, so it's a Swiss editor, mm-hmm. and it's so beautiful, it's so well done. There's a lot of uh, science posters, uh, prints uh, from back in the time mm. uh, that would advertise on art exhibitions, but also like protests. Uh, I guess against AIDS, you can see the creativity of the the biggest uh, organization at mm. the time. Uh, there's like interviews with uh, massive activists of the time and a lot of like thematic essays mm-hmm. that are really like organized with her memories uh, from the art scene of the 80s and crossing the question of AIDS, how it evolves, uh, the the biggest question on all the ambivalences on how do we make sure uh, the question of AIDS is uh, democratized Okay. when everyone thinks it's just all about minorities. Yes. Um, so it sounds... So it, yeah, sorry. No, no, go for it. I was just going to say it sounds like a really powerful document, like a, doc, a historical kind of documentation. Exactly. Of what yeah, was you happening. Can re- you can really see she, she's, an, she's an historian and like yeah. art critic because <laughs> it's so well done. She knows so many people. And it really reflects like an artistic and, and activist creativity. Yes. Uh, all like both of them being born from the urgency of living yeah. and from the fight uh, for being recognized. Yeah, of course. So super powerful. Really okay. impressive and just it just reminded me another book that I've read just before that really helped me also understanding everything. Uh it's a book from Isabel Alfonsi. I've posted on Instagram about it. Uh it's called For an Aesthetic of Emancipation, mm-hmm. Building the Lines of a Queer Art, where uh the author in that book reviews artists of the same time mm-hmm. who've been like silenced and erased from the big art history because they were queer, they were subversive, and their political intention were disturbing. Yeah. So it was. I think it's good. Compl- it's it's quite complimentary. Mm. And now I'm just like reading, like still on the eighth question because I feel like I need more information. Yeah. There's like an, a new book that I'm reading that's also linked. It's called uh, "Is the End of AIDS Possible?" Uh, La fin du sida est-elle possible? It's been written by two uh, gay guys, activists, French, François Berdugo and Gabriel Girard. Okay, so uh, sounds absolutely fascinating. Thank you for sharing. Um, obviously, we'll we'll link to all of these books that we talk about um, in the show notes of the podcast, so that you can easily um, any listeners hey. can. Um, 
find out more about them and potentially order them. Um, very quickly, the last book I'm going to talk about is called A Pure Heart. Um, this has just come out in the UK, so it just came out on January 9th, um, and it's published by uh, Scepter, um, a UK publishing mm -hmm. house. Uh, they're our friends, they're lovely, they send us proof copies. Uh, we were kindly gifted um, a, a proof copy of A Pure Heart. So, to get into it, um, heavy themes are introduced very early. It's a religion, revolution, um, and there's some good old family tension in there as well. Um, the author, Rajia Hasib, does a really beautiful, sensitive job of handling topics that um, I think a lot, of others, a lot of other authors can either just avoid um, or, mm. you know, end up trying to take to, to some kind of moral high ground and it comes across as a bit preachy yeah. um, or it's just completely messed up. So I felt that this reflected in the way that characters behaved. It felt like they were really behaving in an authentic way as opposed to um, act, acting how they feel they're supposed to, as if yeah. others were watching. Um, so the title is actually a reference to an Egyptian god called Osiris. Um, and actually there's a, a horrible uh, story with his brother, Seth, um, who ends up killing and mutilating him. And his beloved wife, his devoted wife, Isis, um, travels across the kingdom. She finds him and she, she stitches him back to together, essentially. Um, and so he is, um, Osiris is then resurrected as the gatekeeper of the underworld. And so this pure heart is how um, it is determined where you go um, in the afterlife. So if, you, if your heart um, balances against a feather, um, then it means that you, you were morally excellent. Therefore, you had a pure heart and you were rewarded in the afterlife. Wow. I know. Um, so that was really fascinating. Um, so, that, um, so the author herself is actually an Egyptian um, immigrant who now lives in West Virginia. Um, the context of the book is we open and Rose is, we've got Rose, the older sister, and her younger sister, Gamila, has just um, been killed in a suicide bombing in their native Egypt. So this is just after the Arab Spring of 2011. Um, Rose now lives in America. She's married to a white American guy called Mark. Mark is a journalist. And one of the main reasons that they actually moved back to um, the States for Mark is for Rose to get her PhD in Egyptology. Um, understandably, oh yeah, so there's very complicated feelings um, about Rose living in America and holding on to her Egyptian identity um, and then finding out about Gumila's death. Um, no spoiler, Mark is somehow involved in that. So that creates huge tension in their marriage. Um, and Mark is a character that um, I think the author uses to show that white privilege, that white male privilege. Um, he, he can sometimes cross into saviour territory with the stories that he writes, um, which can sometimes ultimately end up disregarding the history and rich culture of the place and the people that he is writing about. And this is something which Rose, um, you know, has, struggles with and, and has to explain uh, to him. So um, 
yeah, just a really quick piece on that. Um, I think, again, I, I chose two books specifically, um, like you, Kimmy. It's all about diverse voices telling diverse stories. And I thought that A Pure Heart and Rajia Hasib achieved this excellently um did she did great work kind of dispel, dispelling you know egyptian arab stereotypes um of her country and culture and i thought it was really well done and i got a lot out of reading it so yeah it sounds yeah. like it yeah. it's super it's super nice that you always find the best fictions books that i guess we're complementary altogether in yeah. that way because <laughs> you do okay. a lot of uh, non-fiction uh, i do a lot of fiction so yeah yeah, yeah. So Great. that's it. So thank you for listening, everyone. We will be back uh, soon with another guest episode. And in the meantime, you can follow us um, on Instagram at the FBC Paris. And there's also our website, which we link to on our Instagram account. And then there's also the newsletter, which you can sign up directly for via our website, www.thefbcparis.com. Bye. Hey, bye. Bye.